Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, I want to ask you a question um, regarding trips that you take. Uh, when you prepare to go on, the tri- on a trip, no doubt you throw some things into a suitcase to take with you. You pack. Now, it's been my experience that people who pack for a trip fall into one of maybe three categories. Um, I'm borrowing from the great Goldilocks as I formulate these three categories. Uh, one category of packers for a trip would be someone who is an overpacker. Um, you know that you're an overpacker if you come back with an entire suitcase full of clean clothes. Um, if you get there and, and you, you, you typically take up all of the trunk space in your car and you drive an SUV and you're only going for the weekend, you're probably an overpacker, right? Um, those, those kinds of things. I, you know, some of you might be an overpacker. Some of you might be an underpacker. Now, underpackers, you would think, would be great to travel with because they, they take up very little space. Their footprint is very small. They seem to be living light. But here's the problem with, I, I found with underpackers. Underpackers just don't bring the stuff they need, and they're going to end up taking from you the whole trip, or they're going to need to go to Walmart or to Target or someplace on the trip because they just didn't bring what they needed. They're not an overpacker. They're an underpacker. Maybe you're one of those two. Or maybe you fall into that magical third category, which is the perfect packer. Uh, You're the person that that takes exactly what you need for the trip. And not only what you need, but you bring a little bit extra in order to be able to share with those around you. You're a blessing on this trip. Um, Maybe you're a perfect packer. I've found that that being a perfect packer, packer, your, your chances of that describing you go up astronomically if your name is Mom. If somebody calls you mom, you are a perfect packer. Dads, we do not qualify. We are classic underpackers. Mom, you are the perfect packer because you bring the stuff that we forgot. You know, I'll go for a trip, and and we'll go as a family trip, and I'll just assume that my seven-year-old knew what to bring. I don't know why I think that. Um, But but Kimberly never assumes that, right? Uh, She's more of a perfect packer. Where do you fit on that spectrum? Just, Just out of curiosity, let's take a little survey. How many of you would consider yourselves an overpacker. Anybody? Wow, lots of hands. All right. How many of you would consider yourselves an underpacker? Equal number, you know, maybe equal numbers. How about, how many of you consider yourself a perfect packer? Wow, you guys think very highly of yourselves. I just want you to know that. Um, But typically, when it comes to packing for trips, you're going to fall within one of those categories. When you think about what, what you do when you pack for a trip, When you pack for a trip, what you're doing is you're going around your house and you're getting things from home that you think you're going to need while on your journey. Um, And and the perfect packer only gathers the things in the home that you'll actually need on that journey. I spent some time in our attic yesterday and I saw some things there I'm quite certain I will never take on a trip. Why is that? Well, they might serve a purpose in our house, they might serve a purpose for a season, but they certainly are not going to be strategic enough to fill trunk space with if we were to go on a journey. A perfect packer would take only those things that are necessary for the journey. Now, now wouldn't it be great to have someone in your life 
who would perfectly pack for you for every trip. You wouldn't have to worry about it. You would just say the things that you were going to do, and this perfect packer would not only know the things that you're going to do, but they would know the things that you might do, the, the situations you might face, and they would gather from home the things that you need, and they would put them in a bag so that you would have everything you needed for that journey. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody who would pack for us like that? Well, well here is something really remarkable for us. If you are in a relationship with Christ, if you are connected to the God of the universe through what Jesus Christ has done for you, then I have incredible news for you. The God of the universe has packed our bag from our heavenly home while we live out life on this trip that is the Christian life, this journey through life. The God who knows not just what we are certain that we need, but the things that we might need because he knows the future, he knows everything that will happen. He has perfectly packed our bag to prepare us for the journey of life. And I think that this concept, this notion is something that the Apostle Paul grasped. I think it's something that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to know, and not just to know for himself that he would be encouraged, but know that he would write it down in a letter to a group of Christians that lived in the town of Ephesus so that they would know. And I think that, that God wanted that letter to be preserved and included inside of our New Testament so that we would know that God has packed our bag for us that we might be equipped for the life, the journey that is a Christian life. And over the next 12 weeks this summer, we're going to be looking at this book of Ephesians. And we're going to see within this book that God has packed his truth. He has equipped us for this life. And then we'll see in the latter stages how those things get unpacked and used and utilized on the journey that God has called us to. So that's where we're going to be this summer, is in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to begin this morning by looking at the first installment of this series, by looking at the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And as you get there, I want to just read these verses for us. We're going to walk through and, and pull out four principles from uh, this this section of God's Word, but I want us just to read it first. And as we read it, I would love for you to stand as we read this section of, of God's Word. Um, let me read it for us. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, and this is what he says. He says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places.'" Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, 
having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You may be seated. Now, in those verses, I think that we're going to see four things today uh, that hopefully will be an encouragement to you. I got to tell you, I've been reading this book for a couple of months now, um, studying it in preparation for these times, and, and I've been so encouraged by the things that I've seen just in this section we're going to look at today. Four things that we're going to see this morning. First thing we're going to see is this. We are blessed. We are blessed. You and I are blessed. Now, we see that in verse 3. Verse 3 says, as we saw, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed us. Now, as people who live today, we're, we're quite common with that kind of a talk, aren't we? We're quite, we're quite familiar with, with saying things like, you know, God has blessed us. I mean, we say it all the time. Somebody just sneezes. What do we say? God bless you. It's, it's a part of our vernacular. Uh, we talk about how God has blessed us. Athletes use that in their post-game interviews, that God has blessed them and various kinds of things like this. This is common verbiage for us today. But here's what you got to know. This was not common verbiage in the day that the book of Ephesians was written. In the first century, to a city that was dominated by worship of Greek gods, the understanding of a God who blesses us what was not something that they had. You know, in, in all of the writings of Zeus and the Greek gods, you, you know how many times Zeus is said to have blessed people? Zero times. Zero times. Why is it that when we think of God, we think of God blessing and that seems normal and natural to us? We think of that because we live after 2,000 years of history of relating to God in, in a world where, where Jesus has come and lived and died and resurrected and the message of the gospel has gone forth to all the world and we have the New Testament and the Old Testament we're able to read those and understand those. At the end of all of that, we have an understanding that God is a God who blesses. But when Paul wrote these words to the Ephesians, it was, it was new news. It was, he was telling them that, that God was not a taker. God was not just a demander. God was not someone that we had to perform for. But at the very core nature of who God is, he was a giver, that God was a God who desired to bless his people. And that's a, a radical notion that we need to remind ourselves of. Even though we're used to saying, God bless you, how many of us really believe it, that God is a God who blesses us? How many of us really grasp and understand this idea that, that God is a God who gives to us his blessing? God is described here in Ephesians 1 as a God who blesses. But who does he bless? Who does God bless according to Ephesians Chapter 1. Well, it's interesting. Uh, he, he says very clearly in this section, if you read it and you look at it uh, intently, you see that the blessing is found not just to those who are in Ephesus. That was the physical city where they live. 
But the blessing of God was extended to those who were not just in a physical geographical location like Ephesus. It was a blessing that was extended to those who were in Christ. In the verses that I just read earlier from verse 3 to verse 14, nine times in those verses, the phrase in Christ, in Jesus, in him, or in the beloved are used. He uses those phrases to let us know who is it that God blesses. He blesses those who are in Christ. Let's just quickly look through this section. Uh, Backing up to to verse 1, we see that this letter was written to those who are in Ephesus, but the blessing comes to the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, the blessing comes to those who are in Christ, who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him, we're, we're chosen in Christ, the blessing is found in him. On down in verse 6, he's blessed us in the beloved. He's speaking of Jesus. Verse 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 10, you've been united all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12, in Christ we have hope. Verse 13, in him when we heard the truth of the gospel, when we believed in him, We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is it that God blesses? He blesses those who are in Christ. Now this is, again, this is incredible news. And this is important news for us who live in this world. Sometimes it's easy for us to think that, okay, if God blesses, then that means that God must bless everybody equally, that that the, the future state of every person um, living in spiritual connection with God in heaven, that that would be the same for every person, that the experience of forgiveness, if God is a forgiving God, would be experienced by everybody. But what we find in, in Ephesians, what we find in the rest of the New Testament is that God's provision of blessing is a focused provision. It is found to those who are in Christ. Now, for the Ephesians, this would have been significant. Because the Ephesians probably had a feeling that they were being blessed because they were Ephesians. I mean, let's, let's, let's think about what it meant to be an Ephesian. To be an Ephesian meant you lived in the city that was the banking capital of Asia. It was the Wall Street of its day. It'd be like talking to a New Yorker. You're talking to a New Yorker, they, they, they kind of have a, a swagger about them, don't they? I mean this in a good way. I, I've been to New York. I love, love that place. But they, they do so naturally. They, they're the home of the Yankees. You know, they're the home of Wall Street. They're the home of Manhattan, of Broadway. There's a swagger about people from New York. And there was a swagger about the people from Ephesus. They probably felt like we are blessed because we are Ephesians, because we are experiencing wealth and blessing. They they also maybe, people from Ephesus felt like they had some kind of spiritual eliteness about them. I mean, after all, in the middle of their city was this large temple to Diana, Uh, one of the wonders of the ancient world. Yeah, we're Ephesians. We're wealthy, and we've got a temple that everybody in the whole area comes to see. Of course, God would bless us because we are in Ephesus. And yet, Paul writes to let them know the blessing that you're experiencing is not a blessing that is found because you're in Ephesus. The blessing that you're experiencing that he's getting ready to describe for us is a blessing that is found because you are in Christ. Now, this is super important for us to grasp and understand because 
I believe that there are people in this room, there are those of us who gather here, whether we have uh, forgotten this principle or whether we've never known it, who believe that we're blessed because we're Americans. I'm blessed because I'm an American. I've got, you know, cash in my pocket, and I've got a 401K, and I can think about this crazy concept called retirement because I'm an American. You know, we, we, can, we can, you know, go all over the world. We've got a military might. We're, we're blessed because we're Americans. We've got Mardell bookstores with rows and rows of Bibles. I'm blessed because I'm an American. You know, and maybe you might even, if you've I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life, I could say I'm blessed because I'm an Oklahoman. You know, the buckle of the Bible belt. I'm right here in the middle of it. I'm, I'm blessed because I'm an Oklahoman. You might think I'm blessed because I'm in a certain family. You know, my, my parents took me to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I'm blessed because I'm a Robinson. You might have a similar kind of a story. And sometimes we can begin to think that our blessing is found in our family, our blessing is found in where we live, our blessing is found in our ethnicity. But here's the reality. If you are receiving the blessings that we're getting ready to talk about, the only way that is possible is if you are in Christ. It's only because of what Jesus did on the cross and the gift that God extends to us in him that we receive by faith. It is only in Christ that these blessings flow. And so the challenge for for those of us here is is this kind of a, a crux point. Have you ever found yourself in Christ? Have you ever trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins? If you have, then the blessings that we're getting ready to talk about are yours. If you haven't, then what you're getting ready to see is a display of the kind of blessing that God wants to extend to you in your life if you would just receive his gift in faith. God is a God who blesses. His blessing is found in Christ. Second thing we're going to see, we're blessed intensely. We're blessed intensely. We've already seen that we're blessed. It's part of the nature of God. But the blessing that God extends to those in Christ is an intense kind of a blessing. Look at what it says in verse 3. We've seen it a couple of times already. It says, God has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is an intense kind of a blessing. Down in in verse 7, he he talks about it. He says, we've been blessed according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. We're talking about some intense blessing that God pours out on us in Christ. Now, he says that this blessing is is every kind of spiritual blessing. I think it's important that he puts those modifiers in there. It's a spiritual blessing, and it's a blessing in the heavenly places, because we might be tempted to think, well, it's nice that God says that, but I certainly don't feel like I have every blessing. I certainly feel like maybe I could come up with an idea in my mind that would be a blessing that would be different from my experience. And that blessing might be monetary. That blessing might be with health. That blessing might be of size of family. That blessing might be of the nature of a relationship that you have with somebody else. We can think of a lot of temporal blessings that we can imagine. And when God says that he's given us every blessing, if we don't see the adjectives modifying that, we can begin to think, well, that must apply to somebody else, but not to me. But what we've seen clearly in this passage is that the blessings that are here are for all who are in Christ. But these are spiritual blessings that are housed in the heavenly places. This is talking about not so much the physical blessings of this life, but spiritual blessings that comfort our souls. 
blessings of encouragement and compassion in God's presence. It's those kinds of blessings that we have, and they're stored not in this world, in these jars of clay that are going to break down and and how are housed in in buildings and places that will be for sale and change hands a hundred years from now. The blessings that we have are, are spiritual blessings that are housed in the heavenly places so that we might take possession of them forever. This is the kind of blessing that God has given us, an, an intense blessing. Well, what are some of those blessings? Uh, the passage goes on to indicate several of them for us, some of these spiritual blessings. If you're wondering, what is a spiritual blessing that we have? A number of them are mentioned here. Verse 4, we are made holy and blameless before God. I think that's a spiritual blessing. It's unbelievable. I'm familiar with my own sin. That God would actually look upon me and say that I am holy and blameless before him is a gift that I don't even know how to send a thank you card. It's an incredible gift that God has given us to make us holy and blameless before him. Verse 7, another blessing that he's given us. He's given us redemption. That's a, a purchasing of freedom. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, God has purchased our freedom that we might live in relationship with him, not chained to the sin of our past. I've used this language several times with people, but sometimes we do things in our lives that we feel like we are chained to forever and we can never get far away. And sometimes we can go years and years and years down the road, but we still feel like we're chained to some failure from our past. What we see in Christ is that we've been redeemed. The the chain has been broken. The cord has been cut that we might be recipients of forgiveness, true forgiveness in Christ. Verses 9 and 10, we've been, God has revealed to us, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and earth. Here's here's the great thing. This this plan that God has had for, for all time to reconcile people to himself through what Jesus has done, realize that not everybody knows that. Think about what a a blessing it is that God would draw us into his inner circle and explain that part of the plan to us. We read our Bible, and we're going to see this in a couple of weeks. He he gathers us together and says, guess what? I'm reconciling you to God, and I'm doing so, not just you, but, but a whole set of people of very differing backgrounds that we might be built into a temple to worship God together forever and ever and ever. It's a special plan that God has, and it's a mystery that he's revealed to us. And you and I, if we are in Christ, he's let us in on the secret. What a blessing that is. Verse 13, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Not only has God given us these spiritual blessings that we've talked about already, but he's also given us his Holy Spirit, his very presence with us to empower us and to guide us and to comfort us and to let us know that he is with us always. See, truly, we have been blessed in an intense way with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, do you feel that way? Do you feel blessed like that? 
Um, as you walked in here today, did you walk in and go, I am just so blessed today? You know, some, some of you did, I know. But some of you probably struggled with that. Some of you didn't. Why is that? Well, I think sometimes it is our past that makes us not grasp the blessing of God. We've, again, we've done things in the past that we feel like make us outside of God's will, outside of his plan, that, that, that he could never accept me, those kinds of things. Sometimes it's our present. The circumstance of our life right now is so difficult, we just are struggling to reconcile being spiritually blessed and being physically challenged. Sometimes it's our future that causes us to, to doubt this. The future is just so cloudy, whether it's the future of next week, next month, next year. The future is so cloudy, you just have a hard time feeling blessed. But that's exactly why God had Paul write this letter, was to let us know that we have gone on this trip without an empty bag, but God has packed it with spiritual blessings. And if you walked in here today feeling unblessed, I'd encourage you just to, just to dwell on these verses this week. See, we're blessed, and we're blessed intensely. Third thing, we're blessed intentionally. We're blessed intentionally. Now, I, this is one of the, the, this, these incredible truths of God. God goes out of his way in his word to let us know that it was his conscious choice that led to our blessing. He, he does that because he doesn't want us to think that, hey, we've just somehow snuck into the storehouse of God and we stole his blessing. God wants to make it clear, no, 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 you're blessed not because you stole my blessing, not because you snuck up and grabbed it, not because you were friends with somebody that I liked, but God says, if you are blessed by me, if you are in Christ, it's because I made a conscious, intentional decision to bless you. Furthermore, uh, God's decision to, to tell us this lets us know that his blessing on our lives is not tied to our performance, that somehow we did enough good things to impress him that he then felt obligated to bless us. He didn't want to, but he has to because we're just so good. God goes out of his way in this section that talks about our blessing to let us know that it was his intentional choice that led to our blessing. And we see that in the language that he uses to talk about choosing and predestination. Look at what it says in verses 4 and 5. It says, even as... God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. See, we have been chosen by God to be a recipient of this blessing. Now, this, this passage has the P word in it, doesn't it? Now, if you've been around uh, Christian things for a while, sometimes we can think of the word predestination as kind of a, kind of a Christian curse word um, because when you say it, uh, people begin to kind of scatter you know, and they, they retreat to theological camps and they begin arguing with one another about how much of our salvation is, is God's 
initiation with us, how much of our salvation is, is our response of faith. And the word predestination just kind of gets people, especially people with, or that are theologically minded, kind of has them get their dukes up. Um, but, but here's what I think we need to think about. I mean, many times when we, we, we read this passage or we talk about predestination, I think we fail to think about, why is it that God told us this? Did God mention predestination in Ephesians 1 so that denominations would split, so that Christians would fight and argue? Um, no. Did, did he give it because it was a high truth that would cause us to, to have to expand our mind a bit to trust him? For Yeah, I think he did that. But I also think he did it because he wanted to make absolutely clear to you and me that we are blessed because he wanted to bless us. And he decided before the foundation of the world that he wants to bless you in Christ. The closest thing I can think about this is to think about my relationship with my son. You know, before I ever met Josh Robinson, I loved him. Before I ever ever saw a 4D ultrasound, I thought he was beautiful. Before he was ever born, I made a decision that I wanted to bless that child. Why? Because he was my child. I just I just had a decision to, to bless him. Now, as we live out day-to-day lives, are there times that he wears me out? Absolutely. But you know what? My, my attitude towards him, my, my posture towards him is an attitude towards blessing him. It's because I, I made a decision based on who he was to love him and to bless him. And that's the same thing we see with God. You're in Christ. God looked in eternity past and he said, my, my decision, my inclination towards you is to bless you. And I'm going to make sure you understand that. So I'm going to talk about predestination in Ephesians 1 in the context of, of my blessing believers. And, and he's going to include that there so that we know that it is not an accident, but it was the intention of God that led to our blessing in Christ. Fourth thing, we're blessed eternally. We're blessed eternally. I, I love how he ends this section. He talks about how our blessing will go on and on and on. And he mentions this in verses 13 and 14. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is given, it says, as a guarantee. The Greek word that lies behind that is the word erbon. And, and that word is the idea of a deposit that guarantees that somebody would come back and make full payment. Uh, I, w- I was trying to think in my life of something that would, would lead to this. This is a terrible example, but it's the only one I could think of. Uh, when I was at OU, I would go play basketball at the Houston Huffman Center. And when I would go to get a basketball, to check out to go play basketball, I would have to give them my keys. The idea is that my keys were more valuable to me than that basketball. And at the end of shooting baskets, I would have to take my basketball back to get my keys so that I could go back and drive my car home. That was kind of the plan that OU had at that time. You know, when God says that he gives us his Holy Spirit, the idea is that he places within us himself. And it's a guarantee that he will come back and draw us to himself that we might experience the full blessing of relationship with him forever. It's a guarantee. It's an airborne. It's a keys for the ball situation that God has set up, reminding us that the blessings that we have are not temporary, 
but they are, in fact, eternal. Jesus echoes this with his disciples when he says, Lo, I am with you always, as he's ascending into heaven, even to the end of the age. The writer of Hebrews talks about this when God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The blessings that we have are not temporary, uh, but they are, in fact, eternal. Now, I want to, you to think about this for just a second. If the blessings that we had were tied to where we live or the family that we are a part of, those blessings would be prone to crumble. Uh, let's look at this, this picture here. What, what, do you, what do you see there? See a big pile of rocks. That pile of rocks at one time was the incredibly impressive city of Ephesus. And you know what? If the Ephesians' hope was tied to their city, their hope would crumble just like that stone. Because Ephesus is, is no longer the jewel of that area. It's no longer the banking center of Asia. It crumbled. But the Ephesian Christians are not sitting in crumbled houses anymore. Why is that? Because their blessing was not found in Ephesus, their blessing was found in Christ, which leads to an eternality to their blessing. And the same thing can be true of us. If our blessing was found in being an American and being a part of our family, then if our family screwed up, if our nation goes astray, then our very foundational core is crumbling. But in Christ, He gives us His Spirit as a guarantee we will experience that blessing forever. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close our service singing praise to God. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, I, I just thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you today, for the power of your word. And Father, I pray that, that we would, um, as the passage begins, that we would bless you because you have blessed us. And Father, I pray that you would just give us uh, the heart to worship you today. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close by singing a, a song that's uh, a very famous hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Um, and, and you may be familiar with this song, Come Thou Fount. It was written in the 1700s by a man by the name of Robert Robinson. And Robert Robinson, um, in his 20s, I call him Uncle Robbie. No, in, in, in his 20s, um, he came to faith at a George Whitfield revival. Went there to mock the message, ended up trusting in Christ. But as time wore on, he began to question his faith. And uh, later in life, he had written this hymn that we're going to sing years before, but later in life, he was riding on a carriage uh, with a woman who was reading the words to Come Thou Fount. She had no idea who she was riding with. And she said, aren't these words amazing? And she kept going on and on and on. And, and eventually, Robert Robinson just stopped her, and this is what he said. He said, Madam, I am, the, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. I'd give a thousand worlds to enjoy the feelings that I had then. You know, I, I wish I could be in that carriage with Robert Robinson. Um, and you do too. Where would you take him in the Bible? Take him right to Ephesians chapter 1. Say, Robert, in Christ, 
these blessings are eternal. In Christ, these blessings are yours if you've trusted in him. So would you please stand and join us now as we sing praise to the God who has blessed us eternally.